Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam. If you haven't looked already, one of our listeners, Maggie, has kindly written an excellent review on a book about Dennis Nielsen by Brian Masters. That's on the written blog at uktruecrime.com. Go and take a look. If you'd like to review a book or post any other content on our blog or on the podcast for that matter, please do contact me. I'm always delighted to hear from listeners to this podcast who want to become involved. Today we head to Newport in South Wales, the years 2011. Nikita Grenda was born in Newport on the 19th of December 1991. Her parents, Marcia and Paul, they were young parents, in fact only teenagers when she was born. But they doted on Nikita and her brother Luke when he arrived a few years later. Nikita was a particularly beautiful young girl with big brown eyes and golden hair, later to turn mahogany brown, and an exceptionally pretty face. As she grew up, she became obsessed by Mr Blobby. Remember him? Another creation of the um, genius of Noel Edmonds. Now, if you don't know who I mean, check out the song on YouTube. That's Mr Blobby. Nikita's passion for Blobby led her to insist her parents bought her Mr Blobby curtains and bedding. Although luckily, this early love was quickly replaced by the Spice Girls. After she turned 16 and left school, Nikita initially started working in a hairdresser's, but sweeping the floor and making tea wasn't really for her and she quickly left. She signed up with a recruitment agency who found her a role with high street retailer, New Look. This was totally different work and she loved it, especially as fashion-conscious Nikita got a discount on clothes from the store. Nikita was 15 when she first met Ryan, who was two years her junior and he was her first serious boyfriend. Despite having an on-off relationship for almost four years, Ryan and Nikita took the decision to live together and they moved into a flat in September 2010. This seemed to make the relationship stronger as they spent more time together rather than going out with friends, drinking and the two were very happy together. Nikita's parents lived just around the corner and they were always on hand to help out. Keat, as they called Nikita, always turned up at the family home for a fry-up breakfast on a Saturday morning and a roast dinner on a Sunday. Nikita was also a regular visitor to her parents' home most evenings. Her mum actually thought she saw more of her than when she lived at home. Before long came the news that Nikita was pregnant. Although her parents were initially unsure that this was the best news, as she would be, after all, their daughter was just 19 and Ryan was only 17, they wanted Nikita to get out in the world before raising a family, to meet new people and enjoy the richness of life. However, they soon came round to the idea, and like the new parents-to-be, they were delighted, even preparing a room at their own house for when the baby would come to stay. The young couple were incredibly excited, and Nikita visited the midwife regularly with Ryan, and he kept the ultrasound scans to show to his family and friends. They both attended antenatal classes, and a proud Ryan told everyone who would listen that he was going to be the perfect dad. They discovered they were going to have a little girl, and they chose the name Kelsey May. The happy couple decorated a bedroom in their flat, pale pink, which was Nikita's favourite colour, and they bought a cot and a pram. Nikita had already bought nappies and bathy clothing, ready for the day that she would proudly bring her baby back from hospital. They were all prepared, and now they just had to wait for the arrival of Kelsey May, who was due on the February the 17th. 
They were all prepared and now they just had to wait for the arrival of Kelsey May, who was due on February the 17th, 2011, which was going to be Ryan's 18th birthday as well. Money was tight for Nikita and Ryan. With his upcoming new responsibilities, Ryan needed to earn some more regular income. So he turned to his cousin, Carl Want, who had recently started working as a canvasser for Anglian Windows, and he told Ryan there could be a job there for him. Although older than Ryan at 27, Carl was someone that Ryan really looked up to and enjoyed spending time with. Ryan believed that this was the closest thing to a father he had, and some people felt he almost idolised Carl. In return, Carl certainly seemed very fond of Ryan. He was very protective, and in fact he was almost possessive towards Ryan, and the two spent a lot of time together. In his spare time, Carl, a former soldier, bouncer, council street sweeper and takeaway delivery driver, trained regularly at the Bodymaster Gym in Newport, and he listed his interests on Facebook as Money, an ultimate fighting championship which, as I'm sure you'll know, is a form of martial arts, similar to cage fighting. He had a long-term girlfriend, Rachel Bird, who he met on a night out in Newport in August 2009. Carl stayed at Rachel's house most nights. Although he did not move in, he took on the role of father to her two-year-old son, with whom she was already pregnant when they met. And Want was already a father himself, with two children from a previous relationship. Carl Want would regularly take cocaine, and he'd resorted to burglary and theft to fund his habit, admitting that he'd even steal from relatives to help raise money for drugs. He'd been in the habit of three grams of cocaine a day, but had now cut down to having three grams every other day. Ryan also took drugs when he was with Carl, and this drug habit got to the point where a dealer turned up at Ryan's flat and threatened Nikita over a debt of £680 that had been run up. Carl knew that Nikita didn't like him, as he was a bad influence on Ryan. And even after the drug debt was settled, Nikita disapproved of their closeness, as the two men would stay out together drinking and taking cocaine. Carl would pick Ryan up some evenings, and they'll be out together for hours. But as Ryan didn't have a phone at the time, Nikita was forced to call Carl to ask when Ryan would be home, and he would often fob her off, or even just hang up. He seemed to enjoy having that control over Ryan, and letting Nikita know that. So when Ryan started working with Carl selling double glazing, Nikita was torn. On the one level, she was pleased as there was more money available, which was vital, as we know, for a new baby. But on the other hand, she didn't like Ryan spending even more time with Carl. Ryan suspected that as well as the drugs, she didn't like Carl because they spent a lot of time together and she was maybe a bit jealous. But actually, Nikita thought Carl was a bit creepy, and she didn't like the way he looked at her. She also knew that Carl was regularly unfaithful to his girlfriend, and that when he was out with Ryan, Carl's girlfriend Rachel would phone and text him constantly, as she didn't trust him, and always thought he could be with another woman. Ryan was also a little wary of Carl at times, especially around Nikita. He had a vague suspicion that Carl fancied Nikita, but then again, that wasn't a surprise to Ryan, as, in his view, almost every man did, because she was absolutely just so gorgeous. There was one particular incident that made him particularly uncomfortable, when Carl had borrowed her mobile at a party. When he handed it back, he said, Oh, by the way, I like the photos of you in your underwear. He clearly accessed her private pictures to have a bit of a perv over them. Ryan made a mental note at this time that he shouldn't trust him around Nikita. 
but this worry faded into the background as the excitement continued to build around the pending arrival of Kelsey May. On the 3rd of February 2011, Carl Wantz picked up his new company car, an ex-reg silver Ford Focus. He was delighted with his new car, showing it off to Ryan and others. It was in great condition, except just for one light on the car's rear number plate was dimmer than the other. But this was a minor point, and not the sort of issue that the police in Wales would pull you over for, unless you were super unlucky. The next day was a day many people in Rugby Mad Wales look forward to all year. It was the start of the Six Nations Rugby Union Tournament, and their opening game this year was against the team they liked to beat the most, England. Even better, this year it was on home territory in Cardiff. Now, until I went to university in Wales, I didn't fully appreciate just how important this game was for people in Wales. Everybody, I mean everybody, watches the rugby. And that week, excitement was rising as those about tickets to the game were finalising their plans for watching the match. On the morning of the 4th of February, Carl and his girlfriend Rachel arranged to stay in to watch the game together and then they'd order an Indian takeaway. At around 11.15am on match day, Carl arrived at Ryan's house and they spent the afternoon working in nearby Cumbran, which is close to the English border, before deciding to finish work early and watch the big game together. They headed back to Ryan's house, arriving at about 5pm so Ryan could get changed. While he was doing so, Carl had a cigarette in the kitchen as he waited. Nikita was in the house, but not very talkative. She didn't like Carl anyway, as we've said, and she also knew that if the two were going out to watch the game, it was going to be a big drinking session, no doubt with some drugs thrown in too. The two men headed off to watch the first half at Ryan's mum's house, before arriving at the local Star pub to watch the second half of a group of their mates. Although Carl was driving... The horror of drink driving, what it does to people, wasn't something that he thought of or had any effect on him, and he downed his first couple of pints of lager. Just for the record, a bit like in this year's tournament, after a tight, compelling match, England left Wales with a narrow victory. After the game, Ryan, Carl and four mates continued drinking. They also made regular trips to Carl's new car to snort cocaine. By 1am, As you can imagine, Carl's girlfriend Rachel was utterly fed up waiting for Carl to come home and she decided to call her day and go to bed. Now going home to his girlfriend was the very last thing on Carl's mind. The party was just getting going for the group of guys and they squeezed into Carl's car and headed to a local nightclub, Revolution, and then on to a house party locally. They arrived at the house party at about 2.20am. At the party, Carl spent a lot of time on his own chatting with friends on Facebook before his drug dealer turned up at about 4am to deliver fresh supplies of cocaine. At about 4.30am, heavy smoker Carl was out of cigarettes, so he headed off to his grandma's house to get some more. Ryan offered to go with his cousin, but it's only a short trip, so Carl turned down the offer and went alone. Just before 5.30am, Ryan realised that his cousin still wasn't back, It had been over an hour and the trip should only have taken 10 minutes, so he phoned Carl's girlfriend to see if he was there. A no doubt ecstatic Rachel would have been delighted to be woken by the call and she wearily replied that she hadn't seen him. At 6.30am, Carl finally returned without any cigarettes, telling Ryan that he wasn't able to wake up his grandma. 
They stayed a little longer at the party, although most of the time Carl was crashed out asleep on the sofa. Just over an hour later, at 7.45am, the two called in a night and they both went to his grandma's house. Now, I know what you're thinking here. 7.45am and calling it a night is shocking behaviour, isn't it? No doubt, like me, for you, at 7.45, the party's just getting started, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, they're at his grandma's for about five minutes and they finally managed to collect some cigarettes from her. Meanwhile, in the flat where Ryan lives, at 5.30am, his neighbour, Sarah Voisey, who lives in the flat below, wakes up after hearing a faint beeping sound. It sounded like an alarm clock or a mobile phone, so she thought nothing of it and went back to sleep. About two hours later, at 7.30am, she woke up again, but this time she could smell smoke as she opened the back door of the flat to put her baby's nappy in the bin outside. 20 minutes later, her flat started to feel really hot inside, so she rang 999. The operator told her to look outside and she could see an orange glow coming from the flat above. Sarah rushed out to knock on the door, but there was no answer. Just minutes later, at 7.57am, firefighters arrive and they're greeted by the sight of flames coming from the bedroom. They rapidly searched the flat and at 8.08am they found the dead body of Nikita Grenda in the bedroom. Shortly after this discovery, Carl pulls up in his car to drop Brian home. Carl said, As we got closer to the road, we could see a number of fire engines and police vehicles parked up. Ryan ran over and was talking to police. I could see that he was getting more and more upset. He was clearly devastated. It was then that we were told the news about Nikita and the flat. Ryan was, of course, destroyed and both men were in tears at the scene. Carl stayed for a couple of hours to provide a witness statement at the police station where he was able to provide an alibi covering Ryan's movements that night. At first... It looked like a tragic fire had killed Nikita and her unborn baby. But that morning, a senior fire investigation expert arrived and his first impression was that something just didn't look right about the scene. He was later proved correct, as a post-mortem examination revealed that smoke inhalation had not killed Nikita. She'd been murdered before the fire had even started. Her throat had been slashed, which would have led to a very rapid death and she'd also been stabbed in her heavily pregnant abdomen, killing her unborn child. Her body was found on the bed, which had been set alight to try to mask the murder. The fire on the bed had been lit in three different places, probably with a lighter. Ryan's mum, Kerry, instinctively suspected Carl once of killing Nikita. In Ryan's presence, she looked at him and said, If you'd anything to do with this, Carl, I'm going to effing well kill you. Ryan couldn't seriously believe that Carl could have done this. He'd been such a support to Ryan since he'd received the terrible news, even taking flowers to Nikita's family home. But although the police were, in public, keeping an open mind and appealing for information, they'd even released CCTV of four potential people of interest. They also suspected that Carl could be the murderer. After leaving Ryan and giving a statement to police, Carl met up with his girlfriend, Rachel, in the centre of Newport. He was annoyed that Rachel had the hump with him after he failed to arrive home the previous evening. But despite her annoyance, 
Rachel let Carl come home with her. Later that evening, she saw his, his body, at least his arms, and Rachel was suspicious as she noticed scratch marks on one of the wrists. Carl explained this by saying they're from a woman who grabbed him in the pub as she attempted to stop him fighting with another man. Acting just as he would on any other night, Carl took off his clothes from the night before and left them on the floor of the kitchen to be washed. The next day, the 6th of February, police made the first of several visits to Carl's home. He handed over his jacket, his trousers and the keys to his Ford Focus, but he was unable to find his light blue shirt from the night of the murder. He made a statement to police saying he'd never had sex with Nikita, but claims he once met up with her for a kiss and a cuddle, but that was over three years ago. The next day, Rachel found Carl's blue shirt in the wash, and the police arrived to collect it. He also made a second and more detailed witness statement, revealing his movements on the 4th and 5th of February. On the 8th of February, his silver Ford Focus was swabbed by forensic scientists. They later found Nikita's blood on the underside of the driver's car mat and the flooring. The next day, Carl was arrested on suspicion of murder. For his first six interviews while under arrest, he said no comment to every question from officers. On the 12th of February, following an official disclosure process, the police told Carl that his semen was found on Nikita's body and her blood on his clothing. When this was put to him, he immediately complained of feeling unwell and refused to answer any more questions. That same day, after a total of 26 interviews, he was charged with murder, child destruction, rape and arson. On the 14th of December, the prosecution received confirmation from his lawyers that the defendant was now able to explain why his semen was at the murder scene. If this was the case, this shows, if nothing else, that he previously lied when he said he hadn't had sex with Nikita. When asked why it had taken him so long to recall this, he replied, I had so much going on in my head. On the 18th of January 2012, Carl Want's trial began at Newport Crown Court. Giving evidence, Carl admitted he had developed an obsession with Nikita, admitting that she was the first person who came to mind when he thought about having sex. But he still denied murder. There were four main issues on which the prosecution case was built. Firstly, how was Carl's semen found on Nikita? He claimed that on the day of the Wales-England game, he hadn't smoked a cigarette in the kitchen as Ryan got changed, as was previously claimed. Instead, he said that when he arrived, Nikita, who of course was heavily pregnant, was in the bedroom lying on the bed, and then he went downstairs to smoke a cigarette. He added, After five minutes, Ryan called me into the bedroom, and I saw he was lying naked on top of Nikita, who was also naked. He invited me to have sex with her. I agreed, and proceeded to have consensual sex with her. When asked for his thoughts on this event, he described it as just one of those things, saying that this isn't the first time it happened, that he and Ryan had both had sex with the same girl on another occasion at a party. Carl making this claim meant that Ryan had to publicly defend his sex life in court. Can you imagine what that's like, especially at his age? He was only 18. He, of course denied ever sharing Nikita with anybody, saying, Nothing like that happened. He's a liar. I'm not into that at all. I'd never do that, especially not of my cousin. The second difficulty for Carl 
was that he could not account for how Nikita's blood was found on his shirt or in his car. Thirdly, he also could not explain how his car was identified on CCTV by experts travelling a route on the morning of the murder which led to Nikita's flat, not where he said he was going to get cigarettes from his grandma. The CCTV footage clearly identified his new car due to the faulty number plate light. The trip that should have taken him just eight minutes or so took almost two hours, giving him plenty of time to kill Nikita and to set fire to her flat. Fourthly, Carl's girlfriend Rachel testified about the marks found on Carl's arms the day after the killing. He described the pub that the boys were in as very busy and said he was upset by an unknown Asian man who had spilled his pint of lager. Carl claimed that this led to him getting scratch marks on his right wrist as a girl stepped in to stop him pursuing the man and grabbed him by the arm. The jury was shown photographs of the marks taken by police as well as a light bruise near his elbow. I haven't got a clue how they got there, said once of the bruises. CCTV and witnesses did not show the altercation that he suggested had happened in the pub, and this, combined with the bruising present, strongly suggests that the marks were left by Nikita as she desperately tried to stop Carl attacking her. Carl once sat composed and seemingly unemotional for weeks as he listened to the prosecution evidence in his murder trial. As the quality and quantity of evidence against him began to build up, any doubt that he might be innocent rapidly disappeared. As you all know, juries are warned at the start of any trial that they should reach their verdict only on the fact to set out in court. But the case against him quickly appeared so overwhelming that hopes were raised he would change his plea to guilty, sparing Nikita's friends and family from further torment. When that failed to happen, many concluded that what his plea really amounted to was a denial of the truth. The jury reached a verdict and returned to court. Carl Want yawned just before the jury found him guilty of all charges. Carl Want yawned just before the jury found him guilty of all charges. Ryan and Nikita's family wept. Sentencing him to 35 years in prison, Judge John Griffiths William told him, The murder of Nikita and her unborn child left her family, Ryan Mays and her friends, bereft. Their sense of loss was compounded by their knowledge that you had murdered her, raped her and then tried to destroy the body. Their grief is all the more deep because you made a wholly false allegation that you'd consensual sex with her. You have shown no remorse and shown yourself to be an extraordinary hypocrite by taking flowers to the grieving Grenda household. He continued, You have shown yourself to be a calculating, vain and devious individual. The explanation for these crimes perhaps lays in your vanity. To use your words, you fancied Nikita and wanted to have sex with her. The likelihood is that she let you in thinking that Ryan was with you. You destroyed the life of her baby. You set fire to her body and deprived her family of seeing her face one last time. Nikita's family spoke of their loss and the horror of seeing the baby daughter for the first time in a mortuary. In a statement read by the teenager's uncle on behalf of her parents, Paul and Marcia, they said, Nikita was so young and beautiful. Together with Ryan, they were to become very proud parents to Kelsey May. 
This has been ripped from them by Carl Want, who has never even had the decency to tell us the truth. For us to see our grandchild for the first time in a mortuary was the most heartbreaking thing we've ever had to do. Ryan wore a pink shirt, Nikita's favourite colour, to the funeral of his girlfriend and unborn baby who were buried together. He left a teddy bear wreath for Nikita and Kelsey May, it read, My beautiful angel's taken too soon. Sleep well, my princesses. Love, Ryan. Brackets, daddy. Devastated Ryan spent the months following Nikita's death in an alcoholic stupor, downing a litre of vodka a day. He also tried to kill himself by driving a car into a wall at 90 miles an hour. Only after he was pulled alive from the wreckage did he vow to turn his life around. Carl Wart unsuccessfully appealed his sentence, arguing that it was manifestly excessive, but this was, of course, thrown out of court. Speaking after the appeal, Nikita's dad said, We will never understand why he did it. Even if he did tell us, we would have to believe what he says. I feel total hatred towards him. I'm waiting for those 35 years and the day he comes out, I'll be waiting outside the gates for him. I'll be in my 70s day and I'll have nothing to lose. He spoke about his son, Luke, who finds it difficult to talk about what happened, but was dealing with the loss of his beloved sister in his own way. Almost two years after the murder, the family still visited their daughter's grave every day. He said it had almost become part of their daily routine, adding, We used to see her every day when she was here, so we've got to be there every day for her now. We don't do it for us, we do it for Nikita. Luke comes with us, but he stays in the car. I don't think he really wants to face it. In January 2015, the flat where Nikita was murdered was finally demolished. Her father, Paula, campaigned for this and said his family had been waiting a long time for the demolition. It's been four years and we're happy it's finally been taken down, he said. It's what we wanted. We live about a five-minute walk away and go past it every day. It's been a constant reminder. The heartbreak for Nikita's parents continued into 2016 when her younger brother, Luke, was sent to a young offenders institution for raping a schoolgirl. Initially, he was spared custody due to the exceptional circumstances he'd been through due to the death of his sister. But later that year, three judges agreed with the Solicitor General that his sentence was unduly lenient and replaced it with three years' detention in a Young Offenders Institute. As you've heard today, this is a particularly harrowing case for everybody concerned. Any violent murder is of course shocking, but when it is carried out by a close family member, and one who is actually out partying with his cousin that evening. It's really hard to comprehend, and Carl Want has never given the reason why he did this. Who knows how Ryan will cope as he continues to try to build his life. It's impossible for most of us to understand how it must feel to lose everything through one horrendous act of violence. We must also, of course, feel tremendous sympathy for Nikita's family. If you take a look at young Luke at the time of his sister's murder, it's hard for anyone not to feel emotional just looking at him. To then hear what's happened to him since, in this last year, it must be utterly devastating for his parents. And what will happen to this man when he's released from his spelling custody? Other friends of Nikita's have also been badly affected. For one who was suffering other issues, her death was the breaking point and he committed arson 
so that he could join Nikita. He also received a prison sentence. And this, of course, as we know, is the nub of all true crime. Whether this was premeditated by Karl Wandt or a spur-of-the-moment decision, this heinous crime did not only wipe out the futures of a beautiful young woman, Nikita, and her unborn baby, but it's had such a devastating effect on so many others too. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the UK True Crime Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please encourage your family and friends to listen, write a review, preferably the five-star variety of course, or head to Patreon slash UK True Crime for access to bonus episodes and this week is our first behind-the-scenes video. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheerio for now.